1: welcome to Dr. Mara and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpel.com. And today is Sunday, February the 18th, 2024, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell and we are back live with another great program for you. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us, of course, to make the show run smoothly, as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from right here in the Austin area by Marcella Cabay to discuss an evidence-based telehealth treatment for addiction that is not the 12-step program. And then later in the show, I'll talk just a bit more about finding your passion through the ups and downs of life. And after the show, you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast along with any website link um, that we talk about or other information that we talk about will be posted later tonight. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And you'll also be able to hear it on Apple Podcasts right after the program. And for information from previous programs, to listen to all the previous programs going way back to when we started on Blog Talk Radio 10 years ago. Go to my website, drmaricarpel.com. You can also hear all those shows, of course, on blogtalkradio.com slash Your Years, And they're also all on Apple Podcasts. And for upcoming programs and events, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Maricarpel, Your Golden Years. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment and Psyched Up Productions. And we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play some of our other sponsors' commercials, and it'll be very brief, so don't go anywhere. When we come back, Marcella Cade will be right here to talk about a different type of treatment for addiction. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed services or supplies you never received. There are three easy things you can do to prevent fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and look for any suspicious activity for more information or to report fraud call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or call your local Medicare SHIP program at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drcarpel.com.
1: And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Maricarpel and your Golden Years right here on lawof and on DrMaraKarpill.com. And now joining us on the phone from right here in the Austin area is Marcella Cabay, and she's here to discuss an evidence-based telehealth treatment for addiction that is not the 12-step program. Welcome, Marcella.
2: Hi, Dr. Mara. Thank you so much for the introduction and for the invitation to your program. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much
1: for being here, and um, I just want to let you know there's a slight delay when we speak like this, so it's good for you to know, it's good for me to remember and for the audience to know that there's a about a half second, a second delay, so um, that way we don't trip each other up. <laughs> so... Um, Okay, Marcella, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got into working with this program?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I work for a company that is called RIA Health, and RIA actually stands for Reduction in Alcohol is where the name came from. So we, what we do is we help people just have a better relationship with alcohol, whether that means for them you know, just cutting back and learning how to drink socially or uh, just cutting it out altogether. We really need our patients and our, our members where they're at. And so that's a little bit of how the program works. And in my background, I, um, I help people with trauma recovery. That's a little bit of, of what I did before RIA Health, and I actually struggled myself with alcohol addiction for 17 years of my life. I started drinking when I was 14 years old, and I grew up drinking. I truly didn't know who I was without alcohol until um, about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, when I myself started my own treatment for it uh, following the, the evidence-based protocols that RIA Health followed for their members
1: hmm Okay. So, you know, most people think of alcohol treatment as involving a 12-step program like AA, right? And and that's the one that is really, really pushed. Um, how is rehab Health different from the 12-step programs?
2: Yeah, that is a great question. So, uh, RIA Health Program is a scientific evidence-based approach to alcohol addiction and just overcoming alcohol addiction. So there's three main components to it. <clears throat> the, the first one is there's, it's actually a medication-assisted treatment. Um, there's some very mild medication that actually targets the cravings that people get for alcohol. And um, I do think it's important to say that this medication is not addictive because RIA's goal is never to transfer one addiction to another. Um, the mm-hmm. goal is really to just help you actually overcome your addiction once and for all. So the medication use is uh, non-addictive. And one of the biggest benefits of the program is, you know, you're actually under the care of, of addiction specialists. So they'll be helping you and guiding you every step of the way because the medication is very targeted when it comes to using it for alcohol addiction. So it truly is in in the person's best interest to work with somebody that knows how to prescribe it so they don't fail again um, because that's very common when you're trying to overcome addiction. You try so many different things and you fail time after time. They can be really discouraging. So um, that would be, you know, the medical component and the benefit of it. But there's also a behavioral approach to it. So there's a coaching team that will pair up with you, and you'll have a weekly telehealth visits. So They're only 15 minutes, so it's not crazy time-consuming, which is also a really big benefit of the program. You're able to get the help you're looking for without having to leave your job, without having to leave your family and having to go into a rehab center for 30 days, Um, you're Mm -hmm. able to get the help you're looking for right from your home and learning how to overcome your addiction without leaving your, your triggers, your daily triggers. Right. Um, Yeah. And then there is a third component to it and that, that would be the, the technology that goes along with it. So you know, you get access to the Rea Health app. You get access to, to telehealth visits with the medical team, with the coaching team, and also access to a great library of uh, digital tools and videos to also help you alongside your journey. Um, and we also send a, a breathalyzer just to help people keep track of their own progress in a non-shameful way.
0: hmm
1: hmm um, so so let me just ask this question that listeners might be wondering. Is is it only for alcohol or is it for other addictions?
2: So at Real Health, we specialize in alcohol addiction only. Um, but there there is a company very similar to us if your listeners are wondering or they need it. It's called Bicycle Health that um, helps with other substances. And it's very similar. It's all done through telehealth. It's medication approach. Um, but they can help with substance abuse as well, uh, very similar okay. to the way that helps helps with alcohol. Okay.
1: So, what you know? Do you do you have the numbers of of the the efficacy of of this approach versus the AA approach? Do you know what the comparison mm-hmm. is?
2: Um, yeah, I do. So uh, with an approach like RIAs, and in RIAs in general, we have the numbers for that. Our members uh, start drinking 50% less after 30 days in treatment, so half of what you're drinking after only 30 days. And then um, as long as, of course, you keep going to your your sessions and you take the medication as you're supposed to, then our numbers are, after six months our drink our members are drinking 78% less Mm. and then of course the numbers go go higher after that
1: and 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 um, do you have a good results with people sticking to it I know that's really a big part of the problem with AA people completely stop 100% stopping of alcohol but you have a lot of people who who go back to it and don't, don't just go back with one drink, but they go back to the full binging type of drinking. Yeah,
2: yeah. And you bring up a great point. So that is actually called the alcohol deprivation effect, and that's why AA's numbers of success are so low. Because unfortunately, when you are addicted to alcohol, if you quit drinking cold turkey and just out of pure will. Your body doesn't understand that. So your craving doesn't actually go away as time passes on. It just gets worse. So that's why a lot of people end up going back to the full binge drinking because they weren't treating it chemically. Um, and to answer your first question, uh, we do have a very high success rate of people continuing on that path. And myself included in that, I, if I have maybe two drinks once every six months, that's a lot for me when I used to drink daily. Um, so the, mm-hmm. a lot of it is because not just the medication that helps your brain kind of go back to before it was addicted to alcohol, but the behavioral changes that you end up developing, um, you know, you're essentially replacing your bad habit with a good one, with a healthy one. And just working through your triggers and, and healing a lot of that is really what helps make that, that long-lasting change.
1: Mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, you know, as a psychologist I I've run into people who were addicted to alcohol and other substances because they had a you know, other mental health issues and didn't really have the skills to cope with them, especially, you know, for someone who started at a very young age. They hadn't yet developed the skills to to cope with the stresses in life and, you know, that were causing the depression or anxiety that they're trying to medicate themselves for with the alcohol. Um, Mm -hmm. So is that part of the program to try to teach better, more effective coping skills?
2: Yes, absolutely. And that's why the coaching component of the program is such a big part of it because while the medication is great, it's really just a small part of it and it's not gonna help you, you know, just like you said, like developing all those skills and healthy coping mechanisms to where you truly are actually healing it and healing the root cause of your issue and not just putting a band aid on it.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Right. Um you know they they talk about people being a dry drunk. <laughs> Where they've mm-hmm. given up the alcohol, but they still behave the same way.
2: Yeah. So yes, absolutely. Some of that. Dealt with. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. And and you know you have the support from um, you know actual addiction specialists that will guide you every every step of the way. And I I do believe that makes a really big difference. Like actually, you can try to piece your own recovery together but working with somebody that can truly hold your your hand and guide you through it and, and explain to you, you know, kind of – you go through a lot of changes. Like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't know who I was without alcohol. So it can feel really scary to make such a big change. So having somebody that knows what they're doing to, to talk about these things and um, help you create a plan week after week – is really, um, you know, something that really, really helps our members not go back.
0: hmm hmm
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I worked as a graduate student. That was my experience with alcohol abuse it was way back in graduate school in one of my practica. Um, and it was very much based on a 12-step program um, while in – this my psychology program, we were learning that there were new behavioral treatments that could help people to learn how to drink differently. While over in the treatment center, they were saying you can't drink at all. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, what what do you say to that? You know, a lot of the the people who are into AA and NA and they're they're tell you, oh no, you cannot have one drink or that's that's your back. You're back at your
2: lowest low. Yeah, you know that's that's a very common um, thought in the you know in the AA world, but um, our approach is actually a harm reduction approach because what can happen a lot of the time too, and and I know they intend well, but um, when depending on your drinking patterns, if somebody quits drinking cold turkey like you're supposed to in AA it's actually very physically dangerous. Um, you can end up having a seizure. You can end up having a heart attack. Um, and a lot of people don't know this information. So it's not only physically dangerous, but, again, you know, it's kind of like uh, New Year, New Me. Like you start a diet when you cut everything out and your body goes into shock. So it's, again, really easy to go into that deprivation effect where your body the cravings not going to go away for you so it's not a sustainable change and that's why Ria doesn't approach it in an all or nothing type of way a lot of the times what happens like it happened to me I kind of intended to just learn how to drink socially and be a quote-unquote like normal drinker but what ends up mm-hmm. happening is that you end up just not craving it at all anymore. So, um a lot of a lot of the times you end up just be going fully abstinent when that maybe wasn't your initial intention, but you're able to do it because you're ready for it and and nobody's forcing you to or telling you to. So, that's how you make true change. Mhm.
1: Mhm. Right. And you know, you mentioned before something about shame. Um Can you talk about that and the the shame versus a non-shame approach?
2: Yes, absolutely. So a lot of what my team hears, and and I actually manage the enrollment team for Real Health, so we're the first point of contact people have, and they tell us their stories, and we're just there to hold space for people. And, And that's one of the things we hear the most. People are so ashamed of even calling us and taking that first step, but they, you know, should be so proud of themselves. And, um, a lot of the approaches is, is, you know, people are like, well, I'm just, uh, I'm not an alcoholic or I'm a functioning alcoholic. Like people start calling themselves these names and it's, it's unfortunate because of the stigma around it. So then it feels like it's such a moral failing that you can't just be a normal drinker. And the reality of it, like there's so much more to it, right? Like we were talking about earlier, um, there's trauma there's um, you didn't learn any coping mechanisms you ended up actually a lot of people end up developing an addiction on accident due to a habit they started creating you know for example the typical like oh it's five o'clock so I'm gonna have a glass of wine because I had a stressful day and then mm-hmm. the next thing you know three years later it's like you're having two bottles of wine and you didn't mean to end up that way um, so there's just a lot of shame Around just you know just alcohol addiction and overcoming it in general, or even acknowledging it, that people are scared to say, "I do have a bingeing problem." So our approach is very much just to hold space for you. We actually don't use the word alcoholic at Real Health. Um, mm-hmm. We use the reduction approach to really help people make a sustainable change, so they don't have to continue to go through that cycle of. Um, you know, going to rehab for thirty days, or clean for thirty days, but then what? There's no plan, so then people fall into it again and again, and that's what causes a lot of shame for people as well, feeling like you're failing.
0: Mhm,
2: mhm. And I, you know, it brings up a good
1: a point that I was thinking about is that in the in the AA world, um, they consider it um, not, not a learned behavior, but it's something that's genetic or it's in you, right? You're born, you, if you have drink, you're going to become an alcoholic, but it sounds like what you are talking about is more of a learned behavior that maybe you learned how to drink, um, in an ineffective way. Right. Um, there has i I bring this up a lot to uh, people uh, clients when they say, "Well, I just have a drink, you know I have all I have is one glass of wine when I've had a stressful day, and the research shows that actually when you use a glass of wine because you've had a stressful day and you make that you start doing that as a habit every time you have a stressful day you're more likely to become addicted to the alcohol than somebody who drinks the same amount but only does it because they enjoy it, but they're thinner or socially.
2: Mhm. Yes, absolutely. So that is what you're referring to. And I learned not too long ago, reading something, it's called the habit loop. So you get a cue. You're like, Oh, I had a really stressful day then you've created the craving of like stressful day equals glass of wine. So then it's the response to go get drink the glass of wine and then you get your reward. And so that's how you create that habit loop over and over and just like you said, that learned behavior, your brain connects it to the stressful day, having a glass of wine instead of learning to drink in a social Non bench drinking way, um, so it's very fascinating how a lot of the people like I said we talked to end up in this place when they truly did not mean to, but they created a habit without realizing
0: it mhm, mhm, right,
1: And when you start with one drink to deal with stress after a while that one drink, you know you build up a tolerance to it so that one drink leads to two right, and then three, mm-hmm. because of the physical. Part of it that any any drug you build up a tolerance to it. Um, now I'm really excited about this because this is all the stuff that you know I've learned about in in you know cognitive behavioral therapy and and learning how to undo um, habits that are that are not effective ineffective habits and but there's always been a pushback in the world of addiction treatment that, you know, there's no place for that in in that world. Um, and in fact, they really didn't like having psychology graduate students in that program. Everybody who worked there was, um, you know, they were NAA themselves, all the therapists. So they, that was their um that was what qualified them they didn't want to hear about psychological treatments (laughs) (laughs) so i'm i'm really you know and as you said it's it's evidence-based which Mm -hmm. is you know really important um are there are there people who you know have an alcohol addiction who you would not recommended for? Are there people who are, like, so extremely addicted that this is not the way to go? Or you think this really would work for anyone?
2: So it depends on where they're at when they reach out to us. And what I mean by that is if you are calling when you're in the middle of going through a severe withdrawal, we always recommend, because we're telehealth, and we can be there mm-hmm. with you, um, we recommend that you go to the emergency room first because a lot of the times people are in the middle of it. Like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, they get fed up with it. They say, I don't want to drink anymore. They quit cold turkey, and then they go through severe withdrawal. Um, so those people, we do recommend they go to the emergency room first so they can be stabilized. But then afterwards, we are and they should seek continued care. Um, So at that point, we're absolutely a good fit. Um, We really don't turn anybody away um, unless they have a severe mental condition, like maybe schizophrenia. Again, and it's really more because of the telehealth um,
0: Mm -hmm. approach Mm
2: -hmm. that we don't see there for them that much. Other than that, um, as long as the person calling wants to do it, this works 100% of the time. If you have some resistance to it, if somebody's making you do it, just like with anything else, their chances of succeeding are definitely lower.
1: Right, right. And so if somebody had an alcohol addiction plus other drugs, would you would you refer them to a different program like you mentioned that's similar, or would you treat the alcohol part of it?
2: Um, so our medical team will conduct a full medical assessment to determine that. Um, a lot of the times the same medication helps with the cravings, so it kind of ends up helping them in, um, for both addictions. But if our medical team alongside the patient and, and the coach, um, you know, decide that maybe just a higher level of care is what they need at that time, they'll help you find um, that different program or just different specialists to help you with it.
0: hmm
1: hmm
2: Okay. All right. So it's really
1: pretty much for anybody who wants to do it. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that people cannot, can never have a drink again and, and they will, you know, then, you know, they're going to have a problem all over again, um, which I think is a, probably a big reason why people would want to do this, right? They don't want to be deprived if they go to a New Year's Eve party to have a sip of champagne, right, (laughs) if they feel like it.
2: Yes, exactly. And and that's also the reason a lot of people don't seek treatment because they're scared that they're going to have to live without it. Um, So that's why, you know, just knowing that, that you don't have to give it up forever if you don't want to and you're able to become, you know, like a normal social drinker, if that's what you choose, we can absolutely help. Or if you want to be abstinent, mm-hmm. we can also help. Right. But it sounds like
1: what you're saying is that the the less people drink as they go through this program, the more they don't want to drink. <laughs> so they yes, may end I- up abstinent anyway.
2: Yes, and that's what happens a lot of the times, but it's really, it's really hard to make that decision or to know that in the beginning, um, because you just don't know, you don't know yet. You don't know what you don't know. And it also sounds like, you know, a lot of people are, they don't believe it's going to work or they're so scared because they've tried so many other different things to slow down their drinking or just to quit drinking that you're scared to fail again, but that is what happens a lot of the time. You start the treatment, you start healing uh, um, the root causes of your addiction. You start actually replacing your drinking days uh, with a healthier coping mechanism. Like for example, for myself, I um, I go to to the gym, to CrossFit the gym four times a week now and. I read a lot again because my I have so much more brain space, and you know I'm a
0: mm-hmm. I'm, I have
2: two kids, so I'm able to truly be present with my kids and, and with my family, and and not be consumed by when when am I gonna drink again, when am I gonna have my next drink, not to mention the hangovers. You don't have to deal with that anymore, and that alone honestly mm-hmm. is life changing. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: I would imagine. Um and your health, right? You have more energy and better health. Yes.
2: Yeah. People don't realize how how quickly alcohol can really damage your liver. They think that it's something that only happens to to way older people, but that's not the reality. I um I was a bartender for many years, so I actually my, my first husband died of liver uh, issues because of his drinking mm. when he was only thirty years old. Wow! So it happens quickly.
1: Mhm, mhm. And the other thing that people don't realize is that alcohol is a nervous system depressant. So while they think they're feeling happy when they drink, if they're a happy, you know, drinker, um, when it wears off, they, it actually causes more depression.
2: Absolutely. I was actually just reading about that a few days ago. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Like it, it's not actually helping you cope with your stress, it's making you
1: more depressed. Yep. And then you feel like you need to have another drink because now you're more depressed. Yes. Um, right. And the same with stress because when you when you drink a lot of alcohol it actually puts your body into a stress reaction. Although you're not aware of it while you're drinking. It's after it wears off. Um, the other thing is sleep. It it totally messes up your sleep. Have you you know have you talked about that with clients?
2: Um, yes, all the time. People will call us and say, you know, I started drinking because it helped me fall asleep, but then I'm finding that I'm waking up two or three hours later and I can't yes. go back to sleep, so I have to drink again. And they're just in this stuck in this loop and just, mm-hmm. they don't want to be in that loop anymore but their body at that point has created an addiction to it. Right. Well, you know, um, one of the things that
1: that I tell people is that, you know, your brain, when you drink to fall asleep, your brain as a protective factor stays a little bit more alert so that you don't go too deep into your sleep so it's you know you don't go into a coma um so you're slightly more alert to kind of balance it out but the alcohol wears off so then the alertness of your brain will wake you up um sometimes there's a panic reaction so not a very not a very effective sleep medication yeah it's Um, not So um, if listeners want to find out more about Rhea Health and even if they want to hear your story, I know you made a YouTube video about yourself, um,
2: what are the ways that they can do that? So there's a few different ways. We do have a Facebook and an Instagram page, um, but the the best way would be to go to our website, which is com, and uh, schedule just a quick phone call just to learn more about it. Share your story with us, and, and we can we can guide you. And if we're not a good fit for you, we can also send you some additional resources so you don't feel like you're starting from square one again. Um, you can also go to our YouTube channel. There's a lot of really great informational videos there that kind of help you just understand how everything works and and make a little bit more sense of it. But my biggest recommendation would be just for people to know that, you know, you're not alone by any means, even though people like to hide it. One in three adults struggle with binge drinking and just struggle with their relationship with alcohol in general. And also that it you know, alcohol addiction doesn't discriminate. I always lived a successful life. Um so you you couldn't really tell that I was struggling with it. So, you know, really just making the point here, like it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. Mm-hmm. It will you know it can happen to anybody. So you're not alone and, and we're here to help.
1: Mhm. Mhm. That's that's really a good a good message. Um And it's easy because it's on telehealth. (laughs) Yes,
2: it's so easy.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to post um, the links to the website and the YouTube channel and also the social media pages on my post about this show later tonight. So um, if listeners, you know, didn't write it down, they could just go to my website and the post about this show. We'll have all that information there later, um, along with the podcast if they want to re-listen to it. All right. So thank you so much, Marcella, for coming on the program. Um, I'm really excited that that this exists because I really had not heard of this program before or anything like it. Uh, all I've ever heard of are the 12-step programs. and. You know, this this is wonderful. This is really great. So. Well thank
2: you so much for having me on the program. I really appreciate it. And you know, just bring more awareness to to what we do and and how we can help people. And we uh, I do want to make I don't know where your listeners are from, but we're able to help people in uh nationwide, every state of the US.
1: Great, great. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, and you have a wonderful evening.
2: Thank you so much. You too.
1: Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Carpel and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmerrickharpell.com.
1: And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Maricarpel and your golden years right here on BlogTalkRadio.com and on Um So I am really excited about that program. i I was serious when I said that because this is this is the type of treatment that I had been learning about 30 years ago, but it really had not come out into the mainstream yet. People were really you know, stuck on the 12-step programs, which for some people it works. I'm not trying... If you've gone through a 12-step program and you find it really helpful, if you're NAA and you find it helpful, that is great. But for a lot of people, it has not been helpful. Um, and so this, uh, you know, this is evidence-based. It, I believe, I believe Marcella, that their program works because it's based on... Um, psychological principles that that have been researched all right, so I'm going to speak a little bit. I haven't spoken in a while. Um, I've had you know guests fill the space, so now I'm going to go back to talking a little bit about um, finding your passion, especially at times when things are feel really bumpy. Um, I found my blog that I wrote during the pandemic. Uh, finding grace and flexibility, showing up when things fall apart. And um, I realize now, four years later, that there are some huge obstacles that we're going through right now in the world, within our country, within our communities, people not getting along and people, people being divided from friends who they thought were close friends, families being divided on all different issues, not just one issue. You could be together on one issue and all of a sudden another issue comes along and now you're divided. Plus, you know, going through my own personal um, struggles after losing my mom and before that struggling with dealing with some of her health issues and health care issues that life is full of obstacles and you think you've gotten through one and then the next one comes along. Um, So I'm going back to that blog that I wrote four years ago because the, the ways of getting through it and finding our passion again um, apply today, even though we're not in the middle of uh, a worldwide pandemic anymore. Um, And one of the main keys um, to dealing with these obstacles and being able to continue to have passion, even when the path that we've been going on that feels like our purpose and our passion is suddenly blocked by an obstacle from the outside or from within, the key is flexibility and our ability to change course and still find passion in spite of these obstacles. And maybe because of these obstacles, maybe it leads to a new passion. Um, Back in the pandemic, I was talking about um, how a lot of people couldn't do the things that they really enjoy doing. I've had a lot of musicians on the show who said they couldn't perform and they didn't know what to do with themselves. But then there were other people on the show who found new things that they were kind of forced into changing their direction, and so they went with it, and they found new things. They stayed home and re- recorded at home, or they went out and they helped right? A lot of people got involved in helping at food banks and helping their neighbor, going shopping for a neighbor who um, was... Um, health compromised and couldn't you know it was risky for them to go into a store and that became a passion. And I've talked about how, you know, when my mom started to need more care and and more advocacy for her care because you know, I've talked many, many times on this program about how elderly people if if they don't have a loved one who is advocating strongly for them in their health care or their care in a long-term care facility, they don't get the, the best care that they could. They don't have the best quality of life that they could. But doing that can be like another full-time job. Um, and for some people, it for everybody it's stressful, but for some people it becomes overwhelmingly stressful, and that's the only side of it they see, while for other people You know, if they're able to look at it as a new passion, which is what I tried to do, I realized this is my passion now to help advocate for my mom. That became my purpose. So now that my mom is gone, that purpose kind of went away, and now I'm working on that's an obstacle, (laughs) Um, finding a new passion and purpose to replace it. Um, So how do we do that? How do we deal with these obstacles and, and get in touch with that flexibility? Well, you know, the, in Buddhism, there are a lot of Buddhist teachers who are psychologists, like Jack Kornfield, who is a Buddhist teacher and a psychologist, um, because the Buddhist philosophy is very psychological, they talk about how attachment leads to suffering, so if we are attached to the path that we 're on and having it go the way that we plan everything the way that we expect, we're bound to suffer because um, there as I said, life is full of obstacles, whether they're obstacles coming from the world or within our own lives, just the 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 journey of life with birth, death, illness, all the old age, these are all obstacles that can interfere with the path that we're on. And if we're attached to that path, then we will not be able to be flexible and we will suffer. So um, Jack Kornfield actually wrote, your suffering is directly related to how attached you are expect nothing, accept everything. So acceptance doesn't mean that um, we're okay with some of these obstacles that come along. We're not okay with getting sick. We're not okay with losing our loved one. We're not okay with a worldwide pandemic. But acceptance means that we we know that it's real, that it really is what happened, that we say this is life, this is what happened. Um, and rather than crying about it, we can say, okay, now what next? What can I do next to make things better? Um, that's acceptance. People are afraid to be accepted to be accepting because they believe that that means that they're saying that they're okay with the situation and they're going to keep it that way. No, acceptance means that we see, that we're aware of the situation, that we are not ignoring it, that we don't live in a state of denial. Because if we are in a state of denial, we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to be able to make the right decisions to move forward um, toward a better goal. And then the other part of flexibility is the expectations, not being attached to our expectations. So when we have an idea about, how, about something we really want to do, we often picture how it will look and how long it will take to get to that goal and how it will feel. Um, but the reality is, and this is what we have to accept, <laughs> is that what we expect is never exact is never going to happen that way it's almost never exactly how we imagined at any point in our life even when it's not some global pandemic or a huge obstacle even if things seem pretty smooth it will never happen exactly as we pictured it and if we're stuck on the idea of it having to be a certain way Fighting against the reality of life, resisting uh, what is, we will miss the opportunities that show themselves and the actual beauty that is right in front of us. As I said, sometimes these, sometimes these challenges and obstacles are really opportunities that we can turn into something even better. Um, opportunities and. Moments of grace, as I called it, are more beautiful sometimes than the imagined goal. Um, you know, there are many times where we're going down one path and we realize it's not the, right, not, not, not the right direction and we have to tweak it a little bit and go slightly different. That's not a mistake. That's not a failure. That's just a learning experience. And we learned from that it was It was good that we went down the wrong way, because we learned from that, and we we gathered more information, more skills. all of this is part of the the journey of life. But even if it turns out that when we get to our goal, and it it isn't as wonderful as we imagined, and it's not better than we imagined we can allow it to be pretty darn good. <laughs> if we allow it, we can allow it. We can, as they, as the saying says, perfection is the enemy of good. It can be good. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and as I said, the difficult moments can be opportunities and windows into something deeper and more authentic. Um, if we make a point to stay present. So when people go through difficult times, they become, very often, they become more empathic and compassionate toward other people who are going through similar difficult times. That's really a powerful tool to have, to have that compassion. And I'm often reminded of the Leonard Cohen lyrics There's a crack, a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. So obstacles and pain can make our heart softer and more compassionate, and that rawness can break us open to our own authenticity. Um, And that can actually be a shortcut to that passionate life that we seek if everything is going along smoothly and we never face an obstacle then we really don't have an opportunity to learn to open our hearts and to really be more to really be authentic and it doesn't it we might enjoy the journey but it's not as passionate as it can be so actually having cracks having things happen that we don't like can be an opportunity to actually feel more passion for what we're doing. Um, but if we march along stubbornly or bitterly, not willing to bend or twist or turn with everything that life throws us, we miss it. We miss it and we end up walking in the dark. Um, there's a, uh, I was reading a book by Danny Shapiro Called Still Writing. And she quotes the title of a novel by Peter Cameron called Someday This Pain Will Be Useful to You. Someday this pain will be useful to you. That's something to hang on to, something to hang over your desk. That when you're going through a rough time, to remind yourself that someday that pain you're going through will be useful will create more passion for you and will be helpful in your ability to help other people. Um, So I've talked a bit about some of the lessons that I learned from my mom um, through her life and through things that she actually verbally said to me. Um, and one of the things that she talked about that I really think helped with dealing with the stress in the world and trying to find our passion in the midst of that is to forgive and not dwell on the negative. So she would say don't make yourself sick over what you can't change. Life is about balance. So, you know, my mom lived to almost ninety five with plenty of obstacles throughout her life, and certainly an older age when she was in a wheelchair and had trouble with her speech um, but she was extremely resilient. she managed to continue to live a joyful and pretty passionate life, being helpful to other people um which is another way of keeping our passion is helping other people. And she was resilient because she didn't let she didn't let obstacles um, fester. So she got through it, and then that was it. She went on one day. I was always amazed she would go to a doctor's appointment for these tests that were not comfortable. I would think that I'm going to come home and just go to sleep after that and not want to move. My mother was happy that she made it back in time to go to a concert in her building. And, you know, everything was finding the balance. She would ask me what was in the news. We would talk about it if it was upsetting news. And then she would say, tell me something good. And we would laugh and we would joke. So, Life is about balance, and if we get stuck down the negative path of that, whatever the obstacle is that has come into our lives, or obstacle an obstacle in the world, if we get stuck on that path and we forget about the good stuff going on, then it's very difficult for us to get back on to a path of passion. And when something negative happens, when somebody does something negative, you to be honest about it. Tell them how you feel, but don't let it fester. Just let it go as, as she did. Um, I witnessed her do that, and I know that that was a really beneficial thing because she was able to remain positive and passionate about her life. So... Um, that is that is another really powerful way of remaining resilient, staying passionate and remaining flexible when things get in our way and block our what we think is a block to our path. Um, maybe we just need to take another way around. So I'm going to end on that note and let you know what's happening next week Um, next sunday is february 25th and we'll be back with another live program when geriatrician dr michael wasserman who is the chair of the public policy committee of the california association of long-term care medicine returns to the program Um, he's an author and editor of numerous books he's a speaker and he's a tireless advocate for improving health care for older adults, as well as improving the care that they receive in nursing homes. So he's going to talk about some of those press, pressing issues about geriatric health care and nursing home care. And also, Rosie Davis, founder of the international organization Yellow Heart Memorial, um, who is an advocate for COVID victims and a co-author of the book, Who We Lost, will return to join us as well, and Rosie will tell us more about um, a, a traveling memorial that she founded called More Than a Number, and it honors those lost due to COVID because many people really didn't get a chance to grieve the losses during the pandemic. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this program, get those website links um, or listen to previous programs and get those links, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com. And you can hear this evening's program in five minutes from now by going directly to blogtalkradio.com B-L-O-G, slash your golden ears. And you can also listen in five minutes on Apple Podcasts. And, again, be sure to follow me on Facebook for upcoming shows and events, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment and Psyched Up Productions. And I want to thank my guest, Marcella Cabay, and thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. be sent
2: he lies in his hand in, teaches stories how to live, and he knows how to live.
0: Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any information on this program.